Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, channel pros. This is Rob Spee, your host of the Channel Journeys podcast and CEO of Channel Journeys Consulting. Welcome to episode 11. And thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Channel Journeys. I hope you're finding it fun, interesting, and valuable. If so, I'd really appreciate you going to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a review. That really helps get the word out about this program. Guys, this is an awesome episode on a very hot topic, how to sell software as a service in the channel. There are a lot of vendors trying to figure this out, trying to figure out what role partners should play. There's the Salesforce model where partners don't act as resellers, but make very good margins developing solutions on top of Salesforce. Microsoft had a resale model for Azure, but just recently they made an announcement that they're shifting to selling directly and looking for partners to provide more services. And I had the same challenge in my last Channel Chief role where we were mapping out our cloud channel strategy. Well, today's guest, she has developed an innovative approach and built a company around it to address this problem. Dina Moskowitz is the founder and CEO of SaaS Max, a multi-tier distribution channel for SaaS vendors. I know many vendors, both startups and established ISVs, who could really benefit from what SaaS Max has to offer. So let's jump in and hear all about it. Here we go. Dina, good morning. Welcome to Channel Journeys. Wonderful to have you on the show. Good morning, Rob. It's good to be here and nice to see your face. Yeah, our audience can't see me, but uh, at least we get to see each other, which is fun. So where do we find you this morning? You find me in La Jolla, California, uh, where SASMAX is based. And after a few days at the RSA Security Conference up in San Francisco. Ah, okay. So you've just gotten back. Yes, I have. It's, it was a great show. There's thousands of emerging and established cybersecurity companies that are there with uh, really interesting technology. And it's a really hopping space, as you can imagine. Well, cool. Well, La Jolla, what a beautiful place. <laughs> Thank you. I will yeah. be out there. I'll be out there in Carlsbad. The Channel Focus event is taking place in, when is that? I think May. Okay. Yeah. Let me know. It's 20 minutes away. Oh, well, it'd be great to see you. You either pop up or I'll pop down to La Jolla. Absolutely. Either awesome. Way. So you are the founder of SAS Max. Let's just jump right in and tell us what is SAS Max and why did you create it? So SAS Max is a, a, a multi-tier distribution channel for SaaS companies, which is software, uh, cloud-based software companies who, are, who have a business model that's an as-a-service business model. And what we do very well is we identify the right partners, the right uh, channel partners for those SaaS companies. And we make curated introductions to them and we provide tools for those partners and the vendors to do business together efficiently and transparently. So what was the motivator? What inspired you to to create SaaS Max? Good question. Prior to SaaS Max, I had been a founder of another SaaS company in the data storage sector. And after exiting from that company and I was uh, looking at new opportunities, something that became very obvious to me through various people that I knew, but also through industry trends that I was aware of is that 
there existed a whole channel that I hadn't realized before I created my first SaaS company. And that this channel is responsible for selling 80% of technology, hardware, software, services, communications, uh, through to business in the US and on a global basis. So given that I was part of an emerging sector called the as a service economy of software, that we needed to be able to bring the two together and that these channel partners who exist out there who have the client relationships and the feet of the feet on the street, they're the trusted advisors and the domain experts, that we really needed to create a means to enable those people to learn more about the emerging SaaS solutions, which are some incredible solutions that provide all sorts of added new generation value. And that those SaaS companies needed a way and a path to affordably and in a efficient way identify the right partners for them so that they can get to market. Well, that was a pretty gutsy move, Dina. What what gave you the audacity to think that you could create such a marketplace? <laughs> Just like any other crazy entrepreneur, I think you initially think <laughs> if you build it, they will come, right? So uh, I've always had that that bug, that entrepreneurial bug, and like to innovate and, and create. And I saw a very clear market opportunity. I did some research to validate the opportunity and got a lot of very good feedback very quickly. And it became just an apparent uh, opportunity that seems to be emerging even still today. So it's been over the last five to six years that we've been evolving it. And we keep on adding interesting pivots and, and technology to help refine what we do so that we can even that we can create even better paths to market between those two parties. Well, I think it was a good pick. You look at all the trends and where uh, software sales are going, and, and marketplace is a key, key factor in everything in the channel and the direction that we're going. So where should we start with SaaS Max? Because it has two core functionalities, as I understand it. There's the partner optimizer, which is about finding the right partners and matching them to the right vendors. And then there's the, the marketplace itself, right? Right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited about both of them. I think from the standpoint of being a, um, a technology vendor who would be interested in learning more about our approach and, and, and the things that we're doing, uh, first to talk a little bit about partner optimizer and what that does and why it's so exciting. And uh, that's the computer, the, the data geek, the data analyst geek inside of me that is like my night job. Okay. But what we, a, a few years back, while I was in a vendor advisory council meeting with, uh, at, at the CompTIA uh, shows, I was sitting amongst some very large channel chiefs, uh, channel chiefs of very large companies. And the conversation was really around the fact that they have thousands and thousands of partners but just like in any channel, only 5, 10, 15% of those channel partners are ones that are super active and therefore your team knows and knows how to do business with and knows everything about. But the rest of those channel partners, you don't really know much about them and they're not that active. And are they worth having or who are they and how do you know more about them and how do you get them to engage and activate or are they not worth activating? That classic long tail of partners. Exactly. And so for me, I was more coming from the SaaS world and new and learning the channel with SaaS Max. And so it became a real uh, light bulb for me that this wasn't just my problem of how we're going to scale and find more of the right partners affordably for these emerging SaaS companies who have much lower budgets than these big technology companies that I was meeting with. 
And that if I could solve that problem, I'm solving not just my problem, but the problem of these big enterprise companies. And so we went on a quest to figure out how we could automatically crawl and find as much information as possible about all the partners in the world that we can identify who were in the channel, primarily uh, in the channel from the standpoint of IT and communications and cloud infrastructure and uh, hardware and software, right? And so we, we went on a quest to figure out how we could best do that and how we could develop the right kind of crawling mechanisms and tools and incorporate natural language processing and data science and, and machine learning and whatnot in order to really profile all the partners out there and then to be able to hone in and pinpoint which partners are the right ones for a specific client. And so that is how Partner Optimizer emerged. And we actually not only use it internally for SASMAX identification of partners, but we also use it in bigger custom engagements for channel chiefs who really understand the value of understanding who their existing partners are and the most successful ones and creating what we call an ideal partner characteristics algorithm. And then using that algorithm, the IPC algorithm, to find more of the right partners right out there in the universe who look like their most successful ones. So you so start, Dina, sorry, you start by crawling. So you're crawling websites. So you're proactively going out and finding all the partners around the world that have, have a website, and then you can figure out, find data from their website, and then start categorizing them in all different types of ways based on that data. That's right. And the types of data that we're finding grouping is a little different than what a Google's going to find, right? Because we're looking very specifically for categories or annotators, such as product types that are mentioned, solutions and services that they're expert in, um, target verticals that they're focused on, what customer size they work with, what customer type. What do they call themselves? Do they call themselves an IT solution provider? Do they call themselves an MSSP or an, or an MSP or a VAR? Um, or do they just call themselves in a, a technology uh, advisor, right? There's all sorts of ways that you can identify, learn more about who these different partners are and what kinds of technologies they, they are working on. And we also identify products that they mention, partner programs that they mention, vendors that they mention, and, and we silo and, and get more and more honed in for each of our clients that we work with. So if I'm a if I'm a channel chief, I'm a channel account manager, I've got a profile of my partners and what I think my best partners look like, then I can put those into your optimizer and you can say, hey, here are all the other partners that look like that. That's right. We can do that. And the other thing we can do is take your your broader list of partners and we can rank them accordingly. To, in comparison to your ideal partner characteristics and tell you which ones are the lowest hanging fruit in comparison. Okay. So if I've got 5,000 long tail partners who I really can't engage and they're not doing a lot, they bring me an occasional deal. You can help me kind of stack rank and prioritize those partners based on their profile of who's more likely to succeed if I start investing some time in them. Exactly. Who do you want your channel salespeople to be calling and building relationships with? And they are typically lower hanging fruit if they're already partners than if you have to go and recruit new ones, right? So, yes. So who, who do you want to spend time on and who do you not want to waste another dime with, right? Because they may have been a one-off or a referral from a referral and they don't deal at all with your products. 
But then it's also very interesting from a strategic standpoint to be able to learn how many of your partners are already partners with another vendor, whether they're a competing vendor or an adjacent vendor. And how many of your partners are even mentioning your own product or solution or brand on their own website? And so as you dive into the data, there is a lot of information that as a channel chief or as a channel marketing person or as a uh, at the micro level as a channel salesperson that you can really leverage in building your channel and, and, and solidifying it and activating it and engaging it. Data, channel data is becoming a consistent theme that I'm hearing in these podcast interviews. Last week I had Laz Gonzalez and he was, he was talking a lot about data being the lifeblood in not only channel marketing, but getting alignment in the company between channel sales and channel marketing and other departments. So it's, it's fascinating. I think you're, you're, you're really onto something in how you can leverage that channel data to get much more prescriptive in what you're doing. And all, all the other departments are doing it. It's just channel is catching up. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, in the world of direct sales, it's very advanced. In the world of channel sales, it's not advanced at all. And we've had confirmation from people like Jay McBain of Forrester, who I know you know, yes. who basically said no one has taken the same approach as we have as Partner Optimizer with SASMEX has to really pinpoint and bucket and, and profile partners to the depth and level of analysis that we're doing. And it really is a unique approach. And the, the goal here is, do you want to buy a list of thousands of names who are supposedly in uh, IT companies to throw, you know, to throw email blasts out and see what sticks? Or do you want to go and pinpoint quality partners based upon what their company does first and foremost? And so we really focus on the quality versus the quantity. We say, don't invest in finding the names and contacts until you first know that this is the company that makes sense to partner with it. And so we take that partner recruitment to that level of let's look at who the companies are. Let's decide how important they are to you potentially. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to convert to being your advocate and your partner, but they do have the right um, characteristics that make the most sense for you to try to persuade to uh, become your partner. And so give them that shot, that opportunity to go after those lowest hanging fruit first and foremost. It also gives a company the opportunity to, if you're coming out with a new product or service, to find those partners who you think would be the right partners and build a focus group around them. So there's another advantage there to be able to know which partners who you think would be ideal to bring into a, uh, a community of thought leadership or, you know, focus groups so that you could then get their feedback and make sure that what you're providing is something that they would take to market. So that's another application. And then another one is if you're acquiring a company or merging with a company and they come with a channel, by all means, from a standpoint of valuation and from the standpoint of knowing what you're getting in terms of a channel sales force, know who they are by using a tool like this to analyze who those partners are and decide are they how, how many of them are synergistic with that mm -hmm. merge. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of interesting acquisitions, and we've talked about a few where this would be hugely valuable. That's right. I, I'm curious what partner types you're gathering data on. You know, they're, they're your traditional VARs, system integrators, resellers, but there's also the new shadow channel that's that we talk about emerging the marketing agencies, the accountants, law firms who are becoming software technology companies themselves. Mm -hmm. Are you picking up on those new types of partners? 
Yes, we are. And we do. I would say that our sweet spot is mostly the ones that are in IT and channel, their MSPs, their VARs, their integrators. But we do have, and we are working constantly on adding more of the MarTech agencies, more of the digital commerce agencies, more of the fintech and accounting business intelligence types of consultants. We've profiled a good many thousand of those included. We're working on a project right now that is enabling us to dive into the smart cities and internet of things world of emerging partners. And so as the clients come in who have these areas where they need to hone in, we're able to then extend our research team toward that domain as well. And our partners channel is, you know, continues to grow. Our database continues to grow. So that's very fascinating. I can see a lot of value in this. Let's jump over to the marketplace. And Mm -hmm. as you know, software is moving to the marketplace. There's a lot of consternation or, or question in the channel, I think, with what's going on, where you see what some moves that Microsoft has made with Azure uh, and their marketplace, and, it, and in some ways seems to be starting to bypass the channel or expecting the channel to sell, be more service-focused versus product resale-focused. That's already the model with the Salesforce marketplace. Where do you see that going and, and how do you fit in with SaaS Max? Because it seems like you're taking a slightly different approach. Yeah, so we are taking a, a slightly different a- approach. Number one, our our platform, our distribution commerce platform, marketplace, however you want to refer to it, it, it facilitates transparency and relationship between the reseller partners and the vendors. But it also facilitates and enables the, the partner to stay in the middle of the transaction and driving new transactions to the end customers. And what we do is give that reseller their own digital storefront, their own mini SaaS marketplace or or as a service cloud software marketplace that is white labeled and custom to their own domain. And whether it's it's an extra section within their existing website or they wanna use it as a standalone website, any applications that they add to their catalog in SASMAX, they are able to, if they choose, to be able to display those in their own web store and therefore market those and be able to accept requests for quotes, be able to transact and start the commerce relationship. And so, as some people in the research area have identified and articulated, that it enables the solution provider to stay very relevant and very important and to keep being part of the transaction and reap the rewards of marketing those technologies. And our premise is that if you go to a marketplace for purchasing technology, once you start to see dozens to hundreds of products, it's overwhelming. And even to search and hone in for a decision maker in technology, they're too busy to figure out and compare and contrast. And what the solution provider has the advantage of is being an expert in business intelligence and data analytics, or being an expert in in software for retail and hospitality, or specifically for retail stores in shopping malls, or they're an expert in coffee cart technology, whatever it may be. When you're a, a small business, you want to be able to go to your expert, to a trusted advisor in that domain and learn what is the best degree. What is that solution, the comprehensive bundle that we should put together as a small business so that I know that everything's going to fit together. It's going to make me a 
use best practices, we'll have a, you know, a well-oiled engine, and that we have a trusted advisor who's got our back. So what SASMEX really does and focuses on is all the way from the beginning of helping them find those right solutions to then doing business with them and dealing with the back end side of transactions and quotes and, and whatnot to the to the marketing and selling of those solutions in a way that makes sense to their end clients. It keeps them relevant. It keeps them in the transaction. It enables them to advocate to their clients and continue to learn about what emerging technologies exist that they can further add. So in your model, the channel partner has the interface to the customer. It's their marketplace. It's white labeled with their branding. So they get to retain that that contact and, and own that customer relationship. That's right. And even if it's a referral to a low cost application, they get to stay in the middle of that and earn credit, earn, 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 earn recurring revenue and credit for that transaction. Yeah, I know. I was just at a Channel Pro SMB forum that took place here in Atlanta and talking mm-hmm. to a, a number of MSPs. And these are the smaller MSPs serving the you know SMB market. But that's their big concern of, of losing that control of their customers. And mm-hmm. the, the margins are really important to them. But it's also that that relationship is even more important, I think, because that's how they add on more services and projects and things that have you know high margin for them. Yeah. Well, SaaS solutions definitely offer great margins and they typically offer evergreen margins, which is really nice for yes. the life of a transaction. So that's one benefit there. And and yeah, in, in the case of SaaS Max, we really are focused on enabling them to keep their value. Will what they do start to change and shift over time? You know, absolutely, because a lot of the software solutions are starting to replace certain things that can be, you know, no longer have to be wired in in ways, right? And uh, but these are the these are the types of services and solutions that a company still needs expertise. They still need to, like I don't necessarily want to make a decision if I have a store on what POS platform and what employee management platform and what the best payroll situation is and how to manage hours, you know, there and, and, and managing inventory. I'd rather go to someone who says, no problem. I've done this before. Here you go. This is what I recommend. It saves you a lot of time and money and, and uh, you know, headaches and, and mistakes that small and medium businesses can't afford to make. How do you manage the variety of partner program terms so I'm a, I'm a channel partner and I've got my marketplace set up with SAS Max and I'm working with six different vendors. They all have different programs. Uh, some are referrals, some are discounts like reseller, but different discounts and different incentives and everything. How do you manage that? And do you simplify it for the partner to, to handle all that complexity? I think that's, that's a great question. And that is what our focus is within our platform is creating that simplicity for them so that the details are all there for them to see and read, but that most important for them is that they know and understand the product and know how you know what what they can earn, so that now they can focus on selling and closing and working with the client. We're there to make sure that on the backside, the transactions are getting recorded and they're getting credit, and that the invoicing, whether it occurs at their level, at our level, or at the vendor level, can be uh, are, are all being done without uh, losing any opportunity to ensure that it's a smooth transaction. So, given our knowledge of SaaS business models as well as SaaS different types of reseller programs, 
we stream that all into that simplified UI so that the reseller has to know about those things, but we're there to say, no problem, we got your back. If it's a complex transaction, this is how it goes. And you just worry about the client and getting the deal closed. So if I'm the vendor and I've got a software as a solution service, why should I choose SaaS Max over over a, a distributor, for example, you know, distributors that have these cloud programs? Is it an either or, or might I do both? Well, number one, I think it's always a might I do both because, you know, distributors may have relationships with certain partners and mm-hmm. we have with others. And yes, we have data-driven ability to recruit and find the right partners, but we're not looking to usurp, right? And and there certainly aren't that many distributors out there in the world that we we you know we would encourage them to attempt with others to to build their channels and and, and welcome that. What I can say is that in SaaSmax we are able to and are nimble enough to get new vendors into our platform very quickly. It's a matter of hours really to get started. We have a team of channel strategists who understand SaaS business models and SaaS partner programs. And we know how to talk about SaaS to our reseller partners. We know how to pitch it to them. We know what's important to them and how to focus in on those core things. So that what we bring is a level of being born in the cloud and bringing that through all the way through to the partner side. And partners come to us knowing that they can find all things SaaS with us. And so they'll bring us RFPs um, and say, you know, what can you help us? You know, how can we bundle things together to satisfy an RFP? Can you find us something? We don't see it in here. Can you find us an application that helps? We can help them with that. And so from the vendor standpoint, we're finding that the, again, the simplicity on their side of getting started, getting up and running, we have a very standardized agreement that's really simplified and easy to understand. And there's really no barrier to entry and there's very minimal, very minimal cost up front to enter as well. And we're a paper performance model so that as we set up curated meetings between the partner and you, we charge for those. And as the resellers start to sell your solution, uh, we earn commission when the reseller earns commission. So our goal is to select the vendors where we can uh, where we know we're going to drive revenue so that we can put our own resources in the right, right places. So not all vendors are welcome. Many, many are, but we're very selective to ensure that what we are, uh, that our team can optimize the ROI for them and for us. Well, it sounds very cool, Dina. <laughs> I love hearing about it. What, what's your biggest challenge right now in your business? Oh, there's, there are many. Um, we're just going through some, some growth challenges right now, which are good problems to have. Yeah. So that's the main thing is we are looking for great people who have the expertise to be able to work with, a, to be a channel strategist and work with our solution, a growing solution provider community who is continually asking for, for more, more products, more solutions and more advice. And then we also are looking on the vendor side to bring in those kinds of uh, experienced channel people who know how to work with vendors and and help them onboard with SaaSmax. Okay, cool. So that entrepreneurial bug, where did that come from? Did you you grew up in California? I grew up in New York. In New York, uh, Long, okay. Yeah, Long Beach, Long Island, which is a small island, about forty thousand people on the south shore of Long Island. And I did a uh, I, I went to college at University of Pennsylvania where I was a math major and then turned into a finance major in the Wharton undergrad program. 
And at the same time, I took Mandarin Chinese, which then took me on study abroad into Taiwan and Asia. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, so that's, you know, I got to California because after I graduated from Penn and Wharton, I was looking at opportunities that could enable me to be in emerging sectors, but also in a great place because where I grew up was a beach town on the East Coast, but wanted to be more uh, year round type of environment. And I got a great opportunity that was in an investment bank in San Diego in La Jolla, California. So it pulled me that way. And so I started in investment banking and uh, was doing valuations and solvency opinions and acquisitions and, and whatnot and got to learn the ins and outs of the, uh, the corporate side of mm-hmm. building a business. Interesting. So you went to Taiwan. You spoke Chinese. You learned to speak Mandarin. Yes, I did. I did. Well, which means I could speak Mandarin a little ah. bit. <laughs> I thought you were reading a Chinese menu for me. <laughs> no, I no, know it. I, I speak some foreign languages, but all Latin based, nothing, no Chinese mm-hmm. whatsoever. Learned a few words of Japanese when I went to Japan, but that was about it. Yeah. That's any cool. any uh, great adventures while you were over there? Well, I had a, there was a good one that is, you know, for women, they'd be interested in this in general, uh, because right now, and this week, actually, it's serendipitous that you're asking me that because it's International Women's Week, uh-huh. or International Women's Day globally. And I was invited as a, I was in Taiwan and I was 19 years old, and I was invited to be a guest at an International Women's Day event. And so me and this one other woman uh, who I really didn't know, she was also probably 20 years old and from uh, somewhere on the East Coast. And the two of us were picked up in a, a limousine at the campus in Taiwan at Donghai Dashui, which is Haichang University. And we were driven out to a small rural uh, pavilion or, or outdoor indoor theater that we, we didn't know where we were going. And when we got there, we were greeted by a, an, a very older woman who was very respectful looking. And she welcomed us and she brought us into this, uh, this rec hall, this indoor outdoor stadium where there was a stage. And there were already about a thousand people sitting on benches. And when we walked in, they walked us into the front row they gave us flowers and they sat us right in the center. And we were the international women. <laughs> we were the guests. You were the guests. And we were the guests. We were the guests of honor. And so we were sat in the front seats and they said to us in, in Chinese, they asked us, what song are you going to sing? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we looked at each other and I said, do you sing? And she said, well, no, do you? And I said, no. So we came up with Doe a Deer and we got <laughs> on the stage when it was our turn and we sang Doe a Deer twice through. We were probably terrible, but we were intriguing to them all as international women. This was in 1988. And, uh, and, and so I guess it was, they were very polite. They applauded. We think we were terrible. We don't have a recording because, and luckily there wasn't any social media back then to, to put this out anywhere. That might've gone viral, Dina. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad that uh, technology wasn't available at that time to do that. <laughs> but it was a great thing. People wanted our autographs. People were just happy to know us. And it really, it, it changed the way I looked at the world and what, you know, what's going on out there. And it was, it was just a great experience that I can take through life. That's awesome. That's a lot of fun. 
And I was looking at your um, profile on LinkedIn, and you've got a lot of different titles. You're an entrepreneur. You're a, I think you call yourself a channel data geek. Um, Obviously, a strong advocate for women in the cloud, women in the channel. Um, You've worn a lot of different hats. It looked like you even had a realtor company for a while. I was part of a, um, yes, a startup real estate company with a business model that was more online and empowering uh, reduced fees. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's catching on now. Yes, it is. It is. Big time. Well, jumping back to the personal side, we know you speak mm-hmm. Mandarin. What else? What's something else that our listeners probably don't know about you? Probably a ton of things, but uh, I don't know how many of them. <laughs> that you want to share. <laughs> <laughs> that I want to share. Uh, you know, just I, I, I'm a strong advocate for women in tech in general. I know that's a very hot topic these days, but I've been honored to be part of a group called Cloud Girls, which has a great mission of enabling women in technology, mostly in the cloud sector, to to grow and increase their uh, their be you know their influence as well as their experience in in the tech world. And it's been an amazing uh, amazing group to be a part of. And I recommend that others, whether it's men or women, find peer groups to be part of that uh, can really help you some are, you know, whether it's a Facebook group or, or a real live group that meets occasionally, it's, it's a great thing to do. But as far as women in tech, I'm also part of a group called the Alliance for Women in the Channel, which is an, an amazing organization that welcomes any woman who's just getting into the channel to be able to learn more and grow and build their career through it. And it's a great group of people who are offering mentoring programs and information and, and ref- referrals and and whatnot, and good education. And then also part of this CompTIA group called Advancing Women in the Channel, which is uh, Advancing Women in Technology, AWIT. And they're just, they just acquired, I think, Girls in Tech, another company. I think they announced that yesterday or today. And they are really looking at growing and expanding their ability to enable women to thrive and take on careers in tech. So I'm a big advocate, supporter, and connector in those areas. And you know, uh, happy to uh, offer my uh, connections and resources in that regard. All right. Fantastic. So any other parting tips that you'd like to leave for our audience? Any parting tips? You know, I think that just parting tips is to, you know, to stay on top of emerging trends and to not be working in a bubble all the time to be aware. And, and you know, as companies, as channel chiefs, as vendors, to be uh, paying attention to where your partners are going, what they're looking for, and making sure that your products are actually speaking to them in the ways that can keep them top of mind. And that, you know, SASMAX is here to help in, in regards to finding you the right partners, whether you're SAS or not, from Partner Optimizer. But if you are an emerging as a service product, we are absolutely here to help you navigate and grow and expand your channel through our commerce platform. Excellent. And how can we find you? You can find me at sasmax.com, S-A-A-S-M-A-X.com, obviously from there. LinkedIn, uh, Dina Moskowitz, or you can you can email me as well, but my email box is pretty uh, big. So <laughs> D-I-N-A at S-A-A-S-M-A-X.com. But almost better to uh, uh, reach out through LinkedIn and connect with me first. Okay, excellent. And any shows coming up where we can find you? Yes, absolutely. We will be at Channel. Well, we'll actually on the SaaS side, we will be at the Cloud Software Association conference called SaaS Connect, 
that's in a couple of weeks from now, end of March, and I'm on the board of that. And it's going to be a great, great agenda of really interesting SaaS CEOs and SaaS partnership experts who are paving the way for technology partnerships and channel partnerships. Really going to be a great program. And then uh, on the channel side, we're going to Channel Partners Conference and Expo in Vegas in mid-April. And we're featuring, uh, we're, I think we have six different SaaS applications that will be in our booth at that event. And we look forward to introducing those to the channel or, you know, re- reinforcing their commitment to the channel by being there with us. Excellent. I will be at that show as well. Oh, okay. Well, you'll have to come to dinner with us and the vendors. We'd love to have you have that opportunity to meet them. Excellent. I will track you down. Great. All right, Dina. Well, well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking with you and hearing about all that you're doing in the SaaS world and and all the other initiatives that you have to get women uh, more engaged in the channel as well. So thank you again. Thank you. See you in Vegas. Wow, that was such a fun interview. I just love Dina's passion for the channel, and I like how she has developed a SaaS solution that serves the vendor's needs for scale and reach while keeping the partners relevant to their customers. I don't know about you. I'm not sure how Dina finds the time to build a company and be such a great advocate for women in the channel through all those organizations. I'll just have to ask her when I meet her at SaaS Connect in a few weeks. And if you're going to be there that's out in San Francisco, be sure to come find me and say hello. Well, thanks again for listening. Join me next week when I talk with Josh Lewis, the Vice President of Global Channels at the hypergrowth analytics company, Alteryx. Until then, have a great channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, Please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.